the day of my interview was the day after my grandson was born. So I, I went to Lexington to be with him. The next morning, got up, took my two-year-old granddaughter to daycare, flew to Atlanta, did the interview, flew back. And I am told it's the best interview I ever did. And, and that really affirms for me, um, you know, recognizing the importance of letting your personal life be such an important part of your life. Welcome to Off the Record, a podcast featuring leaders on IBJ Media's Indiana 250 list. I'm Nate Feltman, CEO of IBJ Media, which publishes the Indiana 250, a list of the most influential business people in Indiana. Today, I'm joined by Indiana University President Pamela Witten, the university's 19th president and the first woman to lead IU. Now in her third year of her presidency, President Witten has emphasized three pillars, First, providing broad access to education for all students from Indiana and beyond. Second, pursuing world-class research, scholarship, and creative activity. And third, making meaningful contributions to improving Hoosier health and the economic, social, civic, and cultural development of the state and the world. She served as president of Kennesaw State University prior to accepting the IU job and held leadership and faculty positions at University of Georgia, Michigan State University, and University of Kansas. President Witten is an internationally recognized expert in the field of telemedicine, holding a PhD in communication studies and a Master of Arts in Communications. Here's our conversation. Welcome to the Indiana 250 Podcast, President Witten. Well, thank you, and thank you for, for including me in the 250. I'm very honored. Absolutely. I thought we'd start from the beginning with our conversation. Where did you grow up and spend your formative years? Oh, gosh, I don't have a good answer to that. Uh, I actually was born in Tallahassee, Florida, and lived there for just a few months before my parents uh, started started roaming around. So a little bit in the Midwest, mostly in the South, lived in Tennessee. And then in high school, my parents moved uh, to New England. And so I went to, to high school in New England and then and then headed back down to Tulane to go to college. And when you were growing up, did you always think higher education would be in your future and where you might focus your career? I never gave higher education a thought uh, as I was growing up. I didn't even understand what a career in higher education actually might be. So I actually went to college. I uh, got married right out of college, got a master's degree. I had a nice uh, few years working in the in the communication field and then went back at age 30 for, for a PhD and then began the grand adventure and wondered how I ever thought I would do anything else other than work at a university. Am I am I right that you originally went to school for a business degree? Did you is that is that accurate? That's right. Yeah, I have a BS in management from Tulane University, so I studied business. That's exactly right. And did you ever think about a business trajectory, a business career? Sure. You know, I I will say uh, that when I was in school, um, I did very well in accounting, and a lot of kids don't in school. So I thought, well, I guess I'm supposed to be a CPA. And then I did one of those things that everybody should do in college. I did an internship for what what back then was the big eight accounting firms and realized after that summer, the last thing I should ever be is, is a CPA. So I, so I pivoted. And so I always try to use that story with students to explain that part of life uh, is having experiences to learn the things you shouldn't do or, or don't want to do as well. So leading one of America's premier research universities was, was not an early thought. That's something that came later. That came way later, way later. And sometimes I still have to pinch myself. So one of the things I do with Indiana 250 podcast guests is try to understand what has made our, our, our list of people successful. And of course, every successful person have had people who've inspired them, who've assisted them along the way. Are there certain persons or individuals who've had the biggest impact on your career? Oh, Nate, there are so many. 
uh, you know, so for many years, I was a regular college professor. I worked at um, at uh, Michigan State at the time, and my dean, Jim Spaniolo, was just a great influence in just the joy of being a professor and persuading me, you know, uh, to, to enjoy that. And then and then moved on um, and became a dean, and Kim Wilcox was the um, provost at, at the university at the time. And and he really uh, inspired me to be innovative and think outside the traditional timeline of higher education and that we could accomplish more and we could be brave and bold at the time. And then I had great, great uh, mentors in, in Georgia where I served as the the uh, provost at University of Georgia where where uh, Jerry Moorhead was the president, taught me so much about the value of kind of non-traditional ways of thinking and working with leadership, or or Steve Wrigley, who was the chancellor of the system, who really, really affirmed how okay it is to embrace the family life and the professional life. Um, you know, one side story with that is uh, when I was in Georgia and I was the provost at University of Georgia, and then I was interviewing to be the president of, of Kennesaw State, another large university within the system, the day of my interview was the day after my grandson was born. So I, I went to Lexington to be with him. The next morning, got up, took my two-year-old granddaughter to daycare, flew to Atlanta, did the interview, flew back. And I am told it's the best interview I ever did. And and that really affirms for me, um, you know, recognizing the importance of letting your personal life be such an per- uh, important part of your life. Right. That work-life balance Absolutely. is something we all we all struggle with, I know. In terms of what motivates you as a leader, are there any core values that you've been central to you and your career and your success? Oh, gosh. I, th- I, I would say there's a couple. Um, I, I think one that's really important is that you always stay true to your compass of do what's right. There's no job. There's just no job that's worth it. And so every decision I make is is with the intention that in the end, it's the right thing for the institution and, and for the people people that you work with. And I think you just have to stay really committed to that. As you look back on your career or you look at your career up to this point, what sticks out in your mind as as accomplishments or achievements that uh, maybe bring you the most joy so far in your career? Oh, gosh, there's so many. Um, you know, there have been challenging times. Um, you know, I became a dean as the Great Recession hit. And so there were extraordinary financial challenges that hit. And I was working in the state of Michigan at the time, which really got slammed. And so we thought uh, very creatively about how to address those significant cuts with revenue generating opportunities for my college and ended up um, being able to grow and hire at a time when everybody was shrinking. And that taught me really important lessons that I've been able to apply to, to to other parts. But you know, honestly, if I'm really if I'm really sincere, the best day of the year is always graduation day. It is just such a joy to to celebrate that milestone. You know, think about if you got to go to um the most, some of the most important days in people's lives, their weddings, the birth of their children, well, graduation's up there. And I get to do that every year with thousands and thousands of, of people and, and their proud, you know, mamas and papas and spouses and, and friends, et cetera. And so that's a really, really special time and re, really reaffirms what I do for a living. Yeah, that is an awesome opportunity. And everybody remembers their graduation mm-hmm. from, from college for sure. So that's pretty neat. What is something surprising about you that maybe our audience is not aware about President Witten? I guess the, the way to answer is what will I say uh, or actually admit to? Um, <laughs> right. Let's see. I am a twin. A lot of people don't realize that. I'm a, I'm a fraternal twin, actually. I have a twin brother, Mark. And you would be surprised throughout our lives, even at <laughs> this point in my life, 
how many people ask if we are identical twins. And let me just be very clear, a male and female pair of twins cannot be identical twins. <laughs> right. Well, I know you are a huge sports fan and that you not only show up to IU sporting events, but you really get into the game. Did you grow up an avid sports fan or did your love for sports come later in life? I have loved sports, particularly college sports, since I was really little. Uh, I used to um, hide behind my dad's chair when I was supposed to have gone to bed and watch uh, the sporting events on TV. I can remember we had a color TV, you know, right. even in how how much that impacted and changed the, the enjoyment. So, no, it's just been something that's been been fun to me my, my whole life. And and frankly, you know, uh, merging into adulthood, it's it's kind of the it's the fun hobby my husband and I have always had together as well. It's something we just enjoy doing together. And, and I see Kennesaw State, your 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 former. Uh, school that you led is on the IU basketball schedule pretty early in the season. Do you have any uh, torn allegiances given your le- your years leading Kennesaw State? Well, first of all, let me make very clear. Um, I have nothing to do with Kennesaw State <laughs> being on the schedule. I, I know that that's been asked before, and that's been that was scheduled before I got here. Kennesaw State played IU uh, last year around Christmas and did pretty well. Uh, pretty pretty far into the game, and I certainly was proud of them for that. But let me make clear, I have no allegiance problems. Uh, I root for Kennesaw State everywhere, but in the state of Indiana, right. um, and 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 wish them well. Um, but of course, I'm a, I'm a Hoosier by choice. So any predictions? Well, let me ask you this first. Uh, what's your favorite sport? Is it basketball? Is it football? Mm, or do you have, do you have, a, do you not, have a favorite we're, sport? We're, we're, not, we're not doing that. <laughs> that's, like, that's like asking me who, which of my three kids is my favorite child. <laughs> not okay. going there. I love them all, and and um and I and I should say I do my best uh, really to attend every sport. Uh, you know, certainly uh, you'll see me at football and basketball uh, quite frequently, but you're also going to see me at soccer events and tennis events and swimming meets and field hockey and water polo. I mean, all of our student athletes are just so impressive. Yeah. So I was going to ask you, and I will. So this is Mike Woodson's third season. I know you're not the athletic director, but any predictions uh, for this upcoming basketball season? He's been very successful so far, making it to the NCAA tournament, if if I've got this right, in in his first two seasons. So any predictions for uh, Coach Woodson's third season? Well, uh, Coach Woodson or, or, or Woody is a is a uh, is a wonderful coach, and he is an even better human being. And so I'm I'm so delighted to have him as as the captain of our ship, if you will, for basketball. And of course, um, you know, I go in with all the confidence in the world. We have really, really some tremendous talent on the on that team, and so I think I think it's going to come together. And I also want to make sure that I give a shout out for Terry Moran too in our women's basketball. Same thing. Um, she's an extraordinary coach, and what a group of women! Uh, I think yeah. we can expect some big things from them as well. They were great last year. I remember absolutely, and uh, I'm sure they've got a lot of that team coming back, so they'll be fun to watch. Let's take a quick break. This is the Off the Record Podcast. Get caught up on the state's top business news every business day with the Inside Indiana Business Radio On Demand Podcast. Available now at InsideIndianaBusiness.com, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back to the Off the Record Podcast. I'm Nate Feltman, CEO of IBJ Media. And I'm talking with Indiana University President Pamela Witten. So your education and career has taken you to many parts of the country. You've been able to see how certain states compare to Indiana. I know you've spent time in 
uh, in school in Louisiana, and then Kentucky, Kansas, Michigan, Georgia. So lots of different experiences, living lots of different places. Is there something distinctive about Indiana when you think back and compare it to some of the other states you spent time in? Indiana is, it's a special place. Uh, and I, I have to admit, as I enter my third year living here, uh, I just love Indiana. I mean, what a what a place to call home. And, you know, I don't mean to sound overly simplistic, but it boils down to the people. People are good to each other here. They take care of each other. Uh, no one feels like they can only succeed if you fail. It's all about all of us rising together. And I feel it every day across this, this state as, as I partner with people and really travel this, the state as well. And then from a kind of a business perspective, there's some interesting strengths, right, And in the state. And, you know, one that I would note is uh, is our life sciences industry. Mm-hmm. I think it's much more robust than people outside the state understand. Uh, it's definitely something that we're leaning into at Indiana University now, right, with the, you know, the, the nation's biggest medical school, right. and I would argue one of the best, as well as all of the other health and life sciences that, that, that we do. I think this is this is really um, our time as a state to propel forward in this particular industry. I ask every Indiana 250 podcast uh, guest this next question. Do you have one big idea to make Indiana a better place to live or maybe to start a business or or maybe a different angle? Is there one thing that you might change about Indiana that would make it a better place to live or start a business? I think that there are multiple things here that are wonderful. And I think that the Perhaps the thing that I would change, or I already see happening, and this applies to all of us, is is the uh, is the humility that makes us so wonderful. It's time probably to break out of that and do a better job communicating, uh, both inside the state and outside the state. Just what an extraordinary place this is, and I know we'll be we'll be doing our part to make sure we we spread the message about about Indiana and Hoosiers as well. I hear that repeated often that we are, you know, the Hoosier humility is real. And for us to be able to grow economically, attract more people, we need to do a better job of of expressing what a great place this is uh, to live and to, and to grow business. So that's a, that's a good one. Turning to IU Indianapolis, uh, you've made bold moves early on in your tenure, such as uh, the one I, I just mentioned, transforming IEPUI to IU Indianapolis. And I was fortunate enough to serve on a committee that made uh, some recommendations. Can you can you talk a little bit about the reasons why this change was important and necessary, and where you hope to see IU Indianapolis in five years? Well, IU um, IUPUI, of course, has a long history, fifty plus year history of. Uh, setting the stage, uh, getting some good things started, uh, good partnerships, beautiful, beautiful campus, et cetera. But sometimes you're at a time and a space and a place where it's time to propel upward. And I think this was that time. And fortunately for me, Mitch Daniels also felt that this was this time. When I came in, he and I were partners, if you will, uh, in, in this endeavor. And so um, this this realignment is ab- enabling us to reposition uh, the role of higher education in the city of Indianapolis. And it's so pivotal. Um, You know, any great urban area has a great research university, period, period. And so this realignment, which is enabling us to formally create IU Indianapolis, and it's it's official as of this coming July 1st, we're going to have an R1. We're going to have the best R1, which is just a fancy way of saying an elite research university in Indianapolis, and it's and it's going to be IU Indy. An amazing amount of work has already has already started. 
uh, from the perspective of what Indiana University is going to do moving forward. And, and we are a freestanding university. I know Purdue is doing some wonderful work out of their base in, in West Lafayette, but IU Indianapolis will be a freestanding independent uh, research university. And um, we're grateful in the General Assembly's wisdom. They decided to invest in this. And so we have some great resources right out of the gate. So we are running. Um, we are identifying right now very significant expansion in uh, computing, computer science, and engineering, and in investing or hiring. We're revamping the entire School of Science, which is now an IU uh, school with all IU degrees. Uh, more aligned with life sciences in the med school, same thing. Um, massive investing in, in in hiring in new in new fields, in partnership with industry, creating a sci tech quarter and in, in the front door of that campus. And so, in a very short amount of time, I mean, you and I are going to see it yeah. uh, actually happen in the next few years. We're going to transform the city with IU Indianapolis. That's exciting, and a lot of uh, city leaders are I know are excited about the uh, the possibilities, the the potential impact from an economic perspective. President Witten, how could IU Indianapolis add to the economic vitality and growth to the city of Indianapolis? Well, there are a couple of ways uh, that I think we're going to see it happen um, pretty quickly over the next few years. First and foremost, uh, it's about uh, bringing in training and retaining the workforce that we need in the city and the state. And so there's significant, exciting work going on right now that we're doing uh, in partnering with industry to create uh, co-ops and internships and experiences. And, you know, we know uh, that that 90% of the students that get a degree from, from our campus in Indianapolis stay. And so this is a wonderful audience to reach out. So workforce is one. Second is is in that uh, creation of uh, discovery and research realm, particularly in the field of, of life sciences, that we're partnering with industry. We've created new mechanisms, uh, something new called IU Innovates uh, to foster, you know, entrepreneurial startup, et cetera. And so we're going to have uh, new business and industry as well as the ability to recruit new folks to Indianapolis again in, in very short order. I'm going to turn to to public health. And as you know, Indiana does not rank well on this important metric. Chronic diseases, some of which are preventable, cost Hoosiers $75 billion a year in direct and indirect costs. Hoosier life expectancy now trails the national average by nearly two years. Thankfully, the legislature and the governor have begun to make this a priority and have increased funding just in this recent legislative session. Is there a role for Indiana University to play in improving Hoosier health given IU strengths in medicine, nursing, dentistry, and, and the life sciences that you just mentioned? We think it's very important that Indiana University is an integral part, sometimes a leader, sometimes a collaborator, sometimes a partner, sometimes a, a, a follower, as we really seek to elevate health status in, in our state. And as you know, in our strategic plan, we have three very clear pillars. First and foremost, students and student success. Second is research and discovery. And the third is service to our state. And we think an important part of service to our state is the work needed to elevate health status in Indiana. And some of that um, is and will be partnerships um, in various communities around the state to literally impact health outcomes. And some of it will be the role we need to play in increasing the number of uh, workforce to provide health services. And so one example is in, um, in IU Indianapolis, we're increasing the number of nursing graduates by 50% right now uh, to put up more nursing students. And so it'll, it'll be a mix of things. I'm going to turn to talent. And today, everyone who 
touches or talks about economic development refers to the need to attract and retain talent, talent for the industries of the future, talent to drive our current industries to the next level, uh, entrepreneurs, uh, everybody wants to retain and, and find more talent. And everybody laments, gosh, if we could just keep more of our college graduates in Indiana, we could make more headway faster. And I know, as I mentioned earlier, you've lived in a lot of different states that perhaps are having more success than Indiana on the, on the metric of talent and, and retaining and growing talent. Are there things that we could do from your perspective to improve the likelihood of graduates building their future in Indiana? There are, there are a number of things we can do. Uh, I think that that the time is ripe for innovative conversations through our Commission of Higher Education, which is led by the very talented Chris Lowry, to look into kind of exciting opportunities to retain our best high school students in the state of Indiana to go to school. Things like the Hope Scholarship in Georgia were wildly successful. So let's look at at what that might mean, something that, that might do the same in, in Indiana. Uh, we know that um, if you create amazing experiences for students while they're students, internships, et cetera, uh, where they not only have a great experience, but then they get offered jobs, you're more likely to retain uh, th those folks in the state of Indiana as well. We know that there are quality of life issues that matter. You just reference uh, health, you know, health status. Right. Um, you know, people want good schools, uh, so we've got to have enough teachers. We have to have enough affordable housing uh, for for young folks to, to want to stay. And then we've got to have vibrant, exciting communities. And I don't go anywhere where people don't talk about, for example, how exciting it is in downtown Indianapolis. And I meet somebody every week uh, that's buying a place, even if it's a second place, um, to have the opportunity because People like what's available in a cool, safe urban area. Uh, and then certainly, of course, we have wonderful towns. I mean, I love Fort Wayne. Um, and, and, you know, you, you've, you've been to Bloomington. You know how beautiful it is as, as well. So we, we've got a lot of assets in this state. And so we, we need to start more intentionally connecting the dots. Well, we've made it to off-the-record speed round, where I ask our guests a series of questions in somewhat of a rapid fashion, but take your time. Uh, no. <laughs> the, the first is, do you have a favorite movie? Okay, so all of these answers to rapid uh, are, are catch me on a Monday morning. Like, like, like what would I answer on a Monday <laughs> morning? Right. Okay, favorite movie, uh, Citizen Kane. That's a good one. Favorite place to vacation? Anywhere my kids are. No, no specifics. Anywhere my kids are okay. is, is heaven. Favorite musical artist? Ooh. Uh, the Eagles with a side of Beyonce. Oh, <laughs> like it. What's the first thing you do in the morning? I exercise. I get up every morning at six in the morning and work out. Good for you. I need to copy that one. Title of the last book you read? Last night, actually, I just finished uh, Stranger in the Woods. I don't know if you've read it. It's a short book. It's about this guy who uh, in Maine lived in the woods for like 27 years all by himself. And I'm still struggling with, was it really amazing that he was able to survive living in isolation for 27 years versus the way that he did it. Was that right? So I'll leave you that teaser. You read it if you want to like deal dilemma. with that moral dilemma. <laughs> <laughs> what food can you not live without? Chocolate. Chocolate. And I read somewhere in preparation for uh, this morning's conversation that you had not tried the famous Hoosier tenderloin. Have you have you tried it yet? Absolutely. <laughs> I don't know where you're getting your false information. They took care of me at Nick's. This in was my, an early uh, interview, yeah, I think. Yeah, it must have been. No, no, yeah. no. Nick's took care of me right away in Bloomington. So. Awesome. And I've had much since then. What about the stromboli at Nick's? Have you had that? Of course. That's a, yes, that's yes. a world famous stromboli. Yes. Best advice you ever received? I think the best advice I ever received was contrary to what people 
uh, talk about today, and that is you really can't have it all. You can. You might not be able to sleep, but you can have it all in life. Well, that's a good question. I didn't have my list. How how much do you sleep? What, what's the average uh, night sleep for President Witten? It depends. Depends if we if we won a game that night or not. Uh-huh. Uh, you know, it's uh you know these 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 jobs are wonderful, but they they require a lot of uh, of uh, attending events and meetings at all hours. So I yeah. would say during during the school year, I probably I, I actually don't want to admit how little I sleep. Okay. I don't want to know. All right, a habit you wish you could change or wish you could start. Oh gosh, I wish I wish I could. Start drinking coffee. I don't drink coffee. I don't need coffee. I would be one of those people in the morning if I had coffee, I'd be obnoxious because I just would be <laughs> bouncing off the walls. But I feel left out because the I'm whole- going to bring you a Starbucks next time. Okay, okay. But the whole world drinks and loves it, so I feel left out. I just don't need it. Right. So last one, advice for a young person who wants to develop into a leader, future leader. Never say no to any opportunity. Try everything. Yeah, that's good advice. Well, President Witten, thank you for joining me on the Indiana 250 podcast, and we wish you continued success at Indiana University. Thank you so much. Go IU. Thanks to Indiana University President Pamela Witten for our conversation today. To learn more about other leaders on IBJ Media's Indiana 250 list, go to indiana250.com and look for a page two feature each week in IBJ. We'll be back with a new Indiana 250 conversation soon.